0: You and I might not agree on what's the best tent, or the best pack, or the best shoes to wear, but the reality is, I bet you you will make the same mistakes that I made when I first started hiking, and that's a reality. So I that, I went with that concept. I interviewed all my old friends from the Triple Crown, and sure enough, I came up with a whole list of things, and there was quite a few common ones, which like overpacking, not planning enough, or planning to, you know planning the wrong way. And I realized that the day when you just said what you just mentioned about. You go to the trail, you have this vision of what it is. I mean, all of my adventures always sound so romantic in my head. And then once you get (laughs) out there, you realize, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. This is miserable. Uh, Sometimes.
1: Welcome to the hiking through podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Scatman, known off-trail as Craig Fowler. He fulfilled a 30-year dream when he completed his Triple Crown in 2015, but that was just the beginning. Under the banner of his one-of-seven project, he then went on to complete the bike-packing Triple Crown and is currently planning for the calendar year Triple Crown. In this episode, we talk details, the planning, the mental, the miles, and how you have to be open to what the trail is telling you. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Scatman. Scatman. Hey, Craig.
0: Hey, I'm just having some chocolate so I don't fall asleep on you.
1: <laughs> chocolate away. Yeah. Now you had reached out to me and kind of in doing the like the research on you or or kind of I guess stalking you online for a moment.
0: It's okay, we all do it.
1: I know. It's it's kind <laughs> of scary when you actually step back and think about it in a larger scope of things, but Oh yeah. You had kind of you you came to the the one of seven project sort of after you had kind of halfway done the product, the, the product. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the six trails. So what got you into the trails to begin with?
0: Hiking. I mean, I guess the hiking, the through triple crown for me started when I was two weeks shy of 13. I, it was my about fourth or fifth time going to Baxter state park to, um, kidney pond, which is just next door to Daisy. If you're an AT hiker, you would know, uh, you know of it. And we'd go every year and I could see, katahdin from the lakes that i fished at and finally uh, another uh, another uh, group of people that were camped there they had two children as well and the father said hey do you want to go up to katahdin with us so my father and i my brother the the gentleman from the other camp and his daughter and son we all went up and when i got to the top of katahdin there's your sign you know continuous footpath from springer mountain georgia to katahdin Maine, over two thousand miles and i was just like thinking to myself i've Drove twice as a kid, drove to Florida. So I know how far that is. And mm-hmm. uh, I was just like blown away that someone could walk continuously through the woods that far. So I turned, looked at my father to ask the question Do people really do that? And before he could answer, some large, hairy hiker with his giant beard was like, Yeah, I just did it. And uh, it was kind of just it blew me away. I said I was like two weeks shy of being 13, so very impressionable. And it was almost like he tilted my head to the side, and like in Macbeth, and poured the poison in. But in this case, he put a he put a seed in there, and that seed over the next fifteen years just matured. Um, I had books on the bookshelf from National Geographic about the AT. I had a uh, my on my dad's side. My grandfather he always took us for long walks in the railroad tracks, and I was always the one who was who was like, "Well, what's around the corner?" Mm-hmm. So we'd walk to the corner. I'd be like, "Well, what's around the next corner?" And of course, it was always too far to go. But I, I was, you know, that that drive to go further was always there. And, um, and over the 15 years, it has kind of matured and it grew. And then in 99 Bryson's book, walk in the woods came out, which most, you know, most people have read uh, yeah. of us and, uh, was a really, you know, it was funny, but also very informative, um, at the same time. And, and then in 2000, I had a buddy who told me, I think in like January or the end of December, he's like, hey, I am hiking the AT cause he had read the book too. And he's like, let's go. And I was just like, man, I'm a super, I I love planning as much as I do the actual adventures themselves. I've Uh, seen your website. (laughs) Total numbers cruncher and everything like, oh yeah. Uh, So I was like, oh man. And I was back and forth, back and forth. And finally I was like, no, it's not right. It's not time to go. But by that August, we went to the new fishing camp that is run by the son of the guy who ran the first one we went to. Uh, This place is called The Pines and it's on Lake Sissel in Maine. And they, um, he's there with his wife who we met at the camp. She was the pastry chef, the first one. And uh, I was there. I was like, hey, so can I move home and live with you guys so I can save money to hike the AT? And they're like, uh, okay. And I went from a fi- about a five-minute commute. Within the same town I worked into a probably 45-minute commute on 128 Beltway around Boston uh, from my hometown to get to where I worked. And it was hell, but it was so worth it. So, yeah, that's how I got into um, at least the hiking part of the 107
1: Project. And the when you first started, was there a plan to do the Triple Crown or did that sort of evolve from doing no. the AT and –
0: um, not the whole thing. I mean, I learned about the PCT a little bit. I mean, now I mean for our listeners to under, uh, to, to get a perspective here, there's a lot of kids today. I say kids because I'm 47, <laughs> uh, so they um, they hike. You know, you know, 99, 2000, 2001, boom, they're done or whatever it might be. Me, it was 90, it was 2001, and um, <laughs> back then things were a lot different than they are today. Oh yeah. PCT was you know it was known but it wasn't as like it like like none, none of the trails were like they were there they are like today so I kind of knew about it the CDT was you know that was like might as well be Mordor if you're Frodo or someone <laughs> like that, you know my little geek coming out it was unknown territory it was the dark territory he didn't know about it so but I met people on the AT I met one guy who was doing a warm-up and another gentleman who had hiked it two years before uh, and he told me about it and said how beautiful it was. And we teased him that the PCT stood, stood for piece of cake trail. So <laughs> he's like, yeah. He te- so, yeah, but no, uh, it was definitely kind of afterwards that, um, the idea of doing all three kind of came into play. So, yeah. And and then basically, cause you,
1: I, they were spaced out away. Yes. But yep. um,
0: 2001, AT PCT was 2007 and then 2015 for the CDT. So, Yeah.
1: So were you able, I mean, because between those periods of time, I mean, technology evolved, equipment evolved. And on the other side of that, like the hiker legs and all of that that you developed on the AT would have been gone by the time you hit the PCT. <laughs> so you're starting over again. And the same thing with the CDT. <laughs> yep.
0: No, it, uh, no, definitely. Um, all that stuff changed. Um, when I knew I wanted to do the PCT, I actually moved to Seattle. That was part of the thing. I looked at, Den- I looked at Boulder. I looked at Go Light working there. That was a company in Seattle, and I got the job out there, so I went. And um, on the way, I stopped and saw the, C- the CDT, which I actually happened not to see when I actually did the CDT because it was in the fire closure. Mm. <laughs> uh, but I did stop and say hello, and I went by the PCT, and I walked to the very first sign I could find at Snoqualmie Pass going mm-hmm. northbound. I gave it a pat, and I said, I'll be back, and that was 04. And uh, so I kind of moved closer to move there. But I've always been a cyclist, not I say always, but I've been a cyclist, competitively since I was probably a junior in high school. So like 17, 16. So it's almost been 30 years now. And, um, so that's, what's kept me in shape at least to go and do the other trips. And I've done some, I did, I've done, you know, I've done other hikes and stuff, but not enough to keep those legs. It's basically the cycling has kept it for me. Um, but also when I did the PCT, I had the genius idea that I was going to Make it a human-powered trip. And I actually rode my bicycle from Kirkland, where I lived, uh, or Kenmore, north of Lake Washington, right out near Seattle, all the way to... Uh, Campo to the monument. And then my parents right. came out and then we shipped my bike and boxed it up and shipped it back. I then hiked to Canada and then I got the bike back in Manning and rode home. So that one I had a little bit of a, I called it, a, I'm doing the air quotes, the warm up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for a 30 day warm up and 1800 miles of biking. So yeah, I kind of hit the trail, you know, running at that point. Um, not really, but you know, I was in really good shape. The yeah. CDT, I think just living in Colorado. I mean, one, I live currently in Carbondale. And it's where at sixty two hundred feet, so that kind of helps. And again, just always staying in shape, riding the bike. So, but the CDT was probably the hardest of all three, at least as far as I was concerned. It was it's a mo- it's a monster. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. it's a lot of bushwhacking, and well, it's what everyone says, but it's really I I I mean, people say this. I'm like, I didn't do a ton of bushwhacking. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that hard. I mean, if I did it again, I mean, this is terrible for new list, new uh, new hikers, but. Just like when people sleep with their food, I, I'm one of them, except for in Grizzly Country. Um, I, d- I would just use gut hook. I would make – Yeah. It's just like my first aid kit is tiny, whether it's bikepacking, which is my kind of more my thing now, or hiking. And people are like, well, how can you get away with that? I just did – um, I just helped this company from a Great Britain called uh, Apodora They make bikepacking bags. And the guy asked me, he's like, Craig, can you tell me about what's in your first aid kit? And the first thing I wrote to him was – hopes and prayers <laughs> because it's so tiny, you know, but the reality is like, like saying that I, I'm saying, I'm mentioning that because on my phone, like people are like, well, what happened if your phone breaks? I am confident in myself, in my usage of the phone that I'm willing to roll the dice that I don't drop it and do break it. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I'm safe enough. You know, it's, it's a gamble. It's like going to Vegas, you know, it's like anything, you know? So yeah. But. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and speaking of your, your love of biking and stuff, can you talk a little bit about, because you basically part of your your one of seven project is doing the the through hiking triple crown and the back the bike packing triple crown as well um correct and obviously i was completely uneducated about what the the bike packing triple crown is so if you could kind of talk about that as well
0: yeah uh so bike packing i mean the loose definition of bike packing is any overnight trip um on a on your bike, uh, the more refined definition of bikepacking would be an overnight trip um, on a bike, on a mountain bike, usually more off road. Like it could be dirt road, um, but uh, then you get into like today. There's gravel riding is this is this, is the new thing today in bicycle racing. So you've got bicycle touring, which you have your metal your typical metal racks that you'd see in the panniers that you'd see someone going across country on. Like that would be. Bicycle touring and then bike packing is they're more soft bags. They fit on the frame. They strap on like your center, the front triangle of your bicycle. You get a custom made bag for your size frame. You have an oversized seat bag Then you have other smaller bags and usually a bedroll and the handlebar. So it's a lot lighter. Uh, you're able to, you know, ride more technical trails and narrower trails. If you had the panniers on there, you wouldn't be able to get through like a bushwhacking, like you said, the piece of mm-hmm. the seat. The CT has kind of been, you know, the horror stories, people hear of it. So that's kind of the bike packing. And I had done one trip in a, in Seattle area, like a, a wintertime time when I wanted to go winter camping, which I don't know why I did because I've done it a couple of times and I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I don't like snow that much. What, that's why I get questions like, why do you live in Colorado? Um, so I did that and I did one other one in my local area and then, um, in 2016, I did the Coca Pelle Trail, which was like a two day. We did it pretty quick. It's like 140 miles. It's from um, Fruta, uh, Colorado to uh, Moab. But I had this, uh, there was a, was a I was say young lady. She's not a young lady, but we are in the. But I had this little young lady or woman I knew that uh, a friend of mine who was a bikepacker and a cyclist, and she was always doing stuff. And she did the Triple Crown. Not in, a, not in a calendar year like I did, but she had done the different ones, uh, the Arizona Trail and the Colorado Trail and the Tour de Vine. And she's always pushing me like, Craig, it's a no-brainer. Like, you're a cyclist. You also go hiking. This is like the two worlds mixed together. So I started, you know, I, I entertained the idea. But the few times I had gone, bikepacking is so much harder than hiking. <laughs> it's brutal. Why? Um, it's, uh, so I was like, oh. So I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. That's a lot of riding. Because the bike pack in Triple Crown is added up as a little over 4,000 miles. But uh, for me, what wow. really set it off for me was, like you, you we mentioned, I did the CDT in 2015. And I started it, and like, you know, if you count when I was on Katahdin, I was 13. And, that, and in 2015, I would have been almost 43. So it's like a 30-year, you know, that was a 30-year dream. If Mm you go from the day that that guy planted the seed. So when I got done with it, even if you just count from the CDT, the PCT, I'm sorry, the AT, the CDT, it's like 15, 16 years. Yeah. I was like, you know, I was lost 2016. I was depressed, miserable bastard. Like, I mm-hmm. won't say that terribly, but like, I didn't have a lot of motivation. I'd go on the bike and like, I'd get dropped with my friends and like, they were like, Oh God, he's going to, like, you know, I like, got yeah. that look like, Oh, don't get all depressed again, Craig. But it was yeah. a really tough year for me. That, that poster of depression was really there. And then, um, in uh, let's see about October, the movie, the Martian came out with Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. If you've seen it, he's on Mars. Yep. And he's there and he's trying to get to the Ares force launch site because he's going to take that, that uh, whatever, not the rover, whatever it's called, the the EM something that's something they name for the ship. And he's going to take yeah. that up to space. And on the way, he's traveling like something like 3,500 kilometers or 30,000 30, like that. He realizes because he's doing this repetitive thing like hikers do. He realizes along the way and he's kind of talking to the camera and he says, I just realized I'm the first person to ever be on a planet alone. He's like, first guy over there, first guy up that hill, first guy to do that. And it just kind of it kind of just struck a chord with me. Um, I think part of it was the movie itself. Like, I'm a huge fan of the movie Castaway. Like, these movies of yeah. adverse conditions or being alone. Um, and, and, I mean, Interstellar is another one. is just great, um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of my geekiness. <laughs> uh, but I saw that, and I was just like, well, what can I do to make – myself unique like that that'd be so cool to be the only person to do something you know you know you joke about you know back in the day we had people like magellan and them they went around the world and the world's a very small place today with internet you know look at you and i oh, yeah we, have, uh, we connected online never met in person and we already have a bond because we're gonna you know we're hikers you know of course now we're family um so it was i was just like well what can i do and i had you know my friend jill telling me like oh you should go bikepacking and I didn't have a goal. So all of a sudden I was like, wait, I was like, I wonder if everyone's ever done the hiking triple crown. And at that time there was about 300 of us and change low three hundreds. Mm-hmm. They'd done it in 2015. And then on the bike packing side, there was about 17 people. The year oh, I did wow. it, three of us did it and maybe four of us, I might be number 20 or 21. And that includes whether you did it in a county year or not. Um, so, when I did it, I just I just matched the 17 names to the other, to the the Alder site and said, nope, unless you didn't record it, I'll be the only one. So I was like, okay, there we go. I'm going to go do the, the, tri- the bikepacking triple crown. And in the process, I was like, well, what do we call it? And then we came up with the 107 because the 107 project, the, the key to it is that I'm 107 billion. I'm the only one to do it. So it's the 107 project. I'm 107 billion. Uh so and that's kind of where the project came into formation after, like as you mentioned, the triple crown of hiking. Uh so and then I did that, did the bike packing. The tour divide was the first one. I skipped the Arizona Trail, which actually started yesterday morning um, for the racers that are doing this year, and they're out there now. But I skipped that because I wasn't ready. So I did the tour divide in June, and that goes from Banff, Canada to Antelope Wells which is if you really wanted a long road walk, I guess would be an alternate for a CDT heart hike. But uh, to there that's 2,700 uh, miles, give or take. Oh wow. And then I did the Colorado trail next in the year. And every year it switches even years. It goes Denver to Durango and odd years. It goes Durango to Denver. So I did an odd year. So I was Durango to Denver and I did that. That's 539 miles for the bikes. That was seven days for me. So I averaged about 71 miles a day. It rained all seven. Um, The tour divide was 20. If if people are interested, was 20 days for me. The winner did it that year in high 14s. I think the record is like days. It's like 198 miles a day. I did 131 a day and I was 20th. Um, So no, I was 14th. Sorry, but I finished in 20 days. Um, And then... I did the Arizona Trail as an individual time trial, just like the guys in the Tour de France. They do like their individual mm-hmm. trial against the clock. I did an ITT. I think August, uh, sorry, October sixth, and uh, I finished the twenty second. So August, October twenty second of two thousand seventeen is when the project finished, and it came out to like eleven thousand six hundred two miles uh, total for the two the two triple crowns. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and the bike packing part of it confirmed that the bike packing is harder than hiking. I mean, I just went for a bike ride the the day and uh, it was 16 miles and I was more tired after that 16 miles than I was after the complete 80 miles of hiking Hayduke When I just did the Hayduke tri- uh, section hike the other day, I was just like, I was exhausted um, hmm. on, t- on Wednesday, on Tuesday after this bike ride. Yeah. So bike is definitely harder for anyone's wondering. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> when you're, when you're, Biking those trails, the Colorado Trail, the Arizona Trail, is it the trail or is there an alternate bike trail that you're following?
0: No, uh, on the AZT and the, C- and the CT, it, uh, it's the same trail except for the wilderness. Uh, so you okay. skip, well, at least going from Durango to Denver, you skip. Um, your first alternate is at Spring Creek, which is uh, where you go to Creed or Lake City. You ride the road toward, uh, toward Lake City. On whatever the highway is there, and you turn off on a dirt road and you basically go around the La Grita or La Grata, uh, wilderness. That skips you around and you actually hit back in around the like a Kecto. It's like called, I can't ever say it right. It's like Kecto, Kakapekta, something like that. I don't know. It's an area of the CDT, and the okay. two of them cross the CDT, the Tour Divide, and the Colorado all cross there. You do that, and then there's a few, then you have the collegiate Wilderness. You, uh, we hike, we ride the collegiate East. You don't get to do the West on the bike. And then there's a go around in the Holy Cross area. So we go into Leadville. Um, and then there's another one just after Buffalo Creek in the Denver area from there over toward, um, closer to Kenosha, you miss there. So there's like three or four bike ones there. And then the Arizona trails got a few, too, like around the super, uh, the, uh, sub- the
1: Superstition Mountains
0: superstitious, or uh, Yep, Superstitious, uh, and a few other wilderness areas that you have. But you do, as the cyclist, you do go through the Grand Canyon, but you have to carry your bicycle the 21, 22 miles from the South Rim to the North Rim on your back. And it can't oh, touch you. And that was probably one of the hardest things i've ever done yeah it's brutal i i broke it up by doing the seven down and then the 14 up the next day and i could i could when i got to the top it took me about three times as long to put the bike the the wheels back in the bike and put everything together than it should have and then once i got it together i couldn't actually swing my leg over the bike one (laughs) the seat bag sticks out in the back but i even couldn't stand over the top tube um I had to get onto a curb, and then even then I barely got my leg over the top too but my hips were so tight from all the weight of the bike on my back, so yeah, yeah, but nice. I figured wow. you know he had, he rode and carried me all the way from Mexico to there, so I figured you know I can carry him for twenty miles, you know he carried me for you know seven hundred and thirty of the mm-hmm. whole trip, so yeah, I call my bike Philip he's uh that's his name, so yeah people are always i get I get crap for it all the time, but I call him Philip the trail donkey because Donkeys back in the old days, they carried your your gear, and as a bike packer, your bike is carrying your gear like a donkey. So yeah, he's up the trail donkey. So Philip got a day, he got a day and a half off, so about a day off. So and uh, out of that one, so yeah.
1: Was it my imagination that you also name your backpack?
0: Yeah, they're all bad though. The bikes are different. The bikes, each bike has a different name, um, okay. but the backpacks are all Bessie, and it's it's I E. It's B E S S. Uh, I.E. And it doesn't matter which one it is. They're all Bessie. So there's no confusion. <laughs> yeah.
1: And why I'm, I'm Bessie? Things. What's that? Why Bessie?
0: I don't know. I just thought it was a funny name. Just like Philip. I think Philip's a funny name for a donkey. So, yeah. I was like, come on, Bessie. Let's go. Get up that hill, Bessie. That's what I saw. When I talk to my backpack, that's what I'm talking to it like. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're I, sort
1: of like the volleyball and Castaway?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's probably why I like the movie. Yeah. It's same like Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I totally, I was, I have a photo from the, the Hayduke and I'm like lying on Bessie and I'm just like hugging her. I'll <laughs> oh, look at you. I'm like, Oh, I'm you know, I gotta give Bessie a hug. Yeah. So yeah. your trail wife. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and it, did that start with the, with the first trial with the AT or.
0: Um, I'm not sure how far back it went. It might've been the PCT, I think. Okay. Uh, Cause my, though my friend had a name for his. I think his backpack's name was like Janice or Janet. And um <laughs> I don't remember. It was an odd name, um, you know, like human name. Uh but it might it might have started on the AT, but like I said, it's been a while, so you know, some things get a little blurry after a while. It's just been a few years. Just a few, yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I think I kind of mentioned this earlier, I referenced it earlier, because you have your, your website, the uh what is it, one of seven projectcom right? Correct, yes. And so I was I was Scrolling through it yesterday, you are a stats man. Like you love your your information.
0: I'd put more on there, but my friends like it's better to like just put things after you've done them than like you know or something instead of what you're gonna do. But I'm always like, yeah, I have stats. I've got so many spreadsheets on Google. But yeah, what's the do you have? There's a is there a question there or sort (laughs) of?
1: I mean, I guess. What I would say to people who are listening here is, as opposed to going through and, and like listing off your favorite shoe or your favorite pack or your favorite whatever, because all of that is on your website and mm-hmm. in great detail. The, the bigger question to me is, like, if we're talking about a pack, what were the things that you were looking for in your ideal pack?
0: Ideal pack for me?
1: You know, in, in terms of like, what you would tell somebody who is also then shopping for a pack and what the things are that they should be looking for in that same type of area. Um, because you have great experience at this.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, obviously you want a pack that fits you. I mean, as okay. a person and that, which gets hard because, you know, if you can't really try it, I mean, that's, you go to REI, something like that. They have those weighted bags, which is by all means, definitely, you know, load up a pack you're trying. Um, I mean, heck I me, mean, if you buy it at home and don't wear it outside and just put, you know, bunch of bladders and they fill filled with water um do that but uh, i mean for me it comes down to it, it really comes down to the trail that's why like you mentioned the website i have if anyone goes there they'll see it but i have the the all six trails the three and the three and i mm-hmm. write down everything i carried in the different and i break it down and in the pack section it, yes it changes even on the cdt i changed my pack um within the trail like some people like think on the sierras they go to a bigger a bigger pack. So for me, it really depends on the trail I'm going to. Uh, and then I choose that based on, well, what kind of volume do I need for what I'm going to be experiencing on the trail? And once I've determined that and which pack it is that's going to work for me, uh, I go from that. And then being a bit of a weight weenie, I, next for me, I would look, go and look at the weight you know of one versus another uh and then with today's packs you know and then the little features you know i i ended up actually right now i'm partnered with gossamer gear and they're sponsoring me so i have a brand new uh the kumo 36 the super light and i told them i actually met the gentleman when i was at the outdoor retailer show and i asked him i was like so Tell me why I should buy your pack over. And I didn't even finish and he's like the Pelantes. Cause, and I, cause I mentioned mm-hmm. that I, the planted pack, the simple pack has, or maybe the, the new one has this little basically stretchy material on the very bottom of the pack where you can shove food or like yeah. trap. Which I love. I think it's a great concept. And I joked with Grant from Gossmaker. I was like, well, why do I buy yours over his? And he gave me this spiel. And um, But it, little things like that. You know, There might be little things like that that I look for. Um, so, But it changes. That's the thing is, it's hard to sit there and say to someone what I would give you as advice. Because uh, as mine have all changed with it. And now I've gone from the – I'm trying to downsize even further. I mean, I'm not ultralight. I'm like, I want to be. I'm more of a lightweight yeah, but i would look at you know comfort first and then if you you know if you're a person who needs you know a frame then obviously you want to pack with a frame if you think you need suspension i know like uh, um was it most of the at hikers today they all use uh, like ospreys so they have mm-hmm. like well the same weight as some of these other bags uh, like a like a let's say uh like a Gossamer gear um mariposa and all those or so some of the hyperlites but they the suspension system is supposed to be that much better i can't Attest to that I have never used one yet, but uh, yeah, I, I would just look for the comfort and then the the small features that you think you need when it comes down to it because it really just comes down to that, like what works for you in particular. I'm always telling people one of our sayings in the AT was, It's all relative, you know, yeah. uh, and whether how far I go, uh, what gear I choose, it's relative to what I need or my situation. My situation is not your situation. That's kind of one of my things with the one seven project is that you know. You, I can tell you what you should do, but that's, I'm basing it on my, my outlook, my experience. Your experience is going to be completely different. You know, it's the whole hike your own hike thing, which the saying, I hate it, but it, it goes along with that. So,
1: yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, there's sort of two, two variations of hiker. There's the hikers that are wannabes, sort of like me, who have never been out there on the long distance trails like that. And then there's obviously the ones who, the hikers who have been out there at least on one trail and, and so have a certain perspective on things mm-hmm. between the three different trails. Were there certain things that were more relevant for one trail versus another?
0: When it comes to, when it comes to packs or in general?
1: Um, well, let's, let's say in terms of packs right now,
0: but packs, um, well, in and, in- Within packs, I mean, for me, like on the AT, I mean, back in that day, I mean, I had a sixty-five liter Arcteryx that weighed yeah. six and a half pounds, um, and th- and I didn't. I used a rain cover, which a rain, uh, pack cover, which was I've learned was was a useless to me because now I use the trash bag. So relevant. Um,
1: it's going to be wet on know. the AT.
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: It's going to be wet on the AT.
0: It's going to be wet on the AT. Yeah, I mean, VCT is. The CDT's wet too. That was one of my wetter water trails too. Compared to comparison to relatively speaking to the PCT, I think there was like seven days of moisture on the PCT, and there was like forty three for me. As you said, the stats on the on the CDT. I mean, one over the other. I mean, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, what I like to tell. I mean, back to. I mean, I kind of almost go back to your first question about the packs, which is one of the things I just realized. I'm always telling people is. You just have to try stuff. I mean, it's a tough thing to do because it's expensive, but the only way that you're going to learn is to do it for yourself. Um, the, I look at the forums on the AT and all that. I've been going back to them, and I post some of my stuff there, my resources so people can have it. And 90 I'd say 90% of the questions out there could be answered by if the person's asking the question simply just went out and actually hiked and learned what works for them and what doesn't because the problem I see a lot of people doing is that they ask questions in a forum that is majority of the people in the forum are basically in the same boat that they are. (laughs) You, uh, veterans like myself who yeah. know different, but again, my vision of what you should do, because everyone there has an opinion. That's the problem too. So it, you're, it's basically, it's like, let's go into the mirror and say, which is the best pack for me to have? They're they're going to, they, they know about, a, about the a same amount of information you do. But if you just went out and tried it and did something and, and you learn like, okay, this didn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. and that's where it comes down to a lot of, a lot of the, that's my best advice to someone that's going to go hiking is just to go hiking. The same thing with like bikepacking, but I mean, in the CDT, it came down to me. It was, I had a little bit extra volume, uh, when it comes to trails, the AT with the shelters. I mean, I could go back now with like a Kumu, uh, Kumu 36, and I could probably carry three days of food and just blow through the trail. I did it in 53 days. I bet you, if I did it again, I would shoot for under 90 days because, wow. One because I want to see how farther I can go because that's my thing that I do today. I'm like, okay, can I go further? Can I? But I also know that I know what not to do on the AT. Like, uh, right. I know that shelters going from shelter to shelter, I jokingly call it makes you a shelter rat because you never. Look, when I get to the PCT, you now west, there was nothing that said Scatman, my trail name. This is where you stay. Like, on the AT, it was like you can hike 15, you can hike 19. Nowhere in your mind did you ever think I'm going to stop at 17 because why would you there's a roof and there's a building right there but when i got out west it was really hard to be like i could camp anywhere there's fire rings everywhere you, and like it was like overwhelming um so on the at you can definitely get away with a smaller pack than you think you can and that's the other thing whatever size pack you buy you will fill it and that's the reality yeah. don't want to carry a lot buy a small pack start <laughs> there. Um, PCT, I mean, it's pretty dry. I mean, you can get away with a lighter backpack there, it's not as rugged, you won't do as much bushwhacking or like you know, rougher trail walking that you would do in the CDT. I mean, there's a lot of people today that only don't even care rain pants and stuff, they they really trim down on the PCT because the weather is usually typically pretty nice. So, on that one, you can again go a little bit you know, a little bit bigger because your carries are longer, but on the CDT. It's. I mean, I used my Kumu, not my Kumu. Sorry, my my uh, my but I also switched back to my. um, I think I had a Catalyst, which I've sold now, at one point, and I tried that just because my shoulders were like kind of bothering me, and I couldn't tell it was the pack or just whatever. But there's definitely a lot lot longer carries on a CDT, so on that one you need definitely a little bit more of a burlier trail. I mean, it's a burlier trail, so you want a little bit tougher. You know, pack. I mean, a really lightweight, like super simple pack. You're going to have to be careful with it on a trail like that because it is a little bit more rugged. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Coming from like the AT to, actually, let me step back for a second. Okay. Um, what I'm hearing from people who are, who do the triple crown is, you know, they, a lot of times they, they hit the AT, which seems to be the, the usual first one. They know next to nothing and they, sort of throw some things in a backpack and they hit it and they learn as they go along.
0: Yeah. The learning curve is like psh, through the roof. Yeah. What's you your stock portfolio? to look like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it's pretty startling and stunning how, how naive people can be when they hit that trail, considering how difficult the trail itself is.
0: Oh yeah. It's and that's why I say like, I, I go back and I look at the forums and there's almost there's this is badge of there's like this badge of honor that people go to it and they're like proud of the fact and i'm not saying anything wrong with this though like, you know people will judge me if mm-hmm. i don't point that out um you can do that there's no right way to a wrong way i mean there is right. a wrong way but you know um they do it and they go and they're like yeah i'm 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 the guy who's doing that or they and it's like you're not helping yourself i mean my goal of being a stats guy is i do as much as i can to limit that whole process Mm -hmm. so that i don't that i that i can actually do the best i can to sorry let me rephrase that i do as much uh, as much research as possible before i go out on the trail so that i can better my chances of actually finishing because i uh, one of it is as i now know how hard it is to actually like you said to mention do it so that makes it very difficult um when i see people doing that i'm just i cringe because i'm like you realize how hard this is to begin with. Like, how <laughs> would you not help yourself out by, you know, going out and doing that hike. So yeah, it's, it's uh, but it is, it's a really hard trail and, uh, there's so much to, there's so much to learn. And I still, today I, I'm still learning stuff today, you know? Yeah. Um, so what's know. the
1: most recent thing that you've learned?
0: Most recent thing I learned, um, I was in the Hey Duke and I learned that my, my Z rest wasn't enough. I was like, maybe cause I was only in five days I just was, I was sore. I wasn't sleeping well. Like I was like, I need to think I need to switch back to a, an air mattress on uh, the CDC. That's on the PC. That's all I used. I just mm-hmm. I used the Z rest the whole way. Three quarter pack under the feet. Off we go, you know, but man, I didn't sleep. worth. And I even slept on a sandy beach a couple of nights. <laughs> And I woke up and I was like, man, my hip and my shoulder is killing me. I was like, do I need to go back to an air mattress? So, yeah. You know, there's little things, you know, things change, you know, your body changes. Um, But that was the, that was, that was something on that trip that I learned. I was kind of like, okay. Yeah. I was like, I really need this. But you mean the easy way to learn, like they always tell you, is go to a hike, come back and go through your pack and put everything in one pile you never used next time don't bring it, you know, like, that's the one of yeah. the best ways, advices of like learning from a trip is to, you know, take notes, you know, mental notes, like, Oh, you know, I haven't used that or I could use this. I'm always mm-hmm. writing stuff down on my phone, little notes like that, because you'll easily forget. So, you know,
1: is that your sort of your journal is your phone?
0: Yeah, today, it's my phone. You mentioned technology. Yeah, AT was pen and paper. I would uh, send uh, the I had a book. At one point, I think I photocopied pages and my mother transcribed it into the computer for me. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, wow. <laughs> I sent film home. They developed the film for me. And then the AT, the PCT was, I didn't bring a cell phone, even though I start, I had one. I I canceled it. I got one on Mount Whitney or a little bit later because I was freezing my butt off in the Sierras. I didn't have one. I could have used it. But I used a digital camera. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I had a thing called pocket mail, actually, on the, on the PCT. It was a little bit larger than your big phones today, maybe another inch longer, and a little wa- and a little bit wider, and it folded open a clamshell, right. and it had a full keyboard, and then buttons on the side, and what it did was, you would close it, and you had all your emails written, or whatever you had, and you dial an 800 number at a payphone, which, what's a payphone, right? And yeah. you press the button, and it was, uh, it pulse tone, like a fax, over the phone, and it sent and received your email. And it was called Pocket Mail, and it ran on like double A's. And it, I, it was originally made for you know um, people like senior citizens who were you know retirees that were r- driving around the country in their motorhomes. They didn't have you know computer wasn't that big, you know, and they, they didn't have the Wi-Fi that we have today in campgrounds. And you'd use that, and it was great. I just sat there at night, just thumbing away. Like I'd re- I mean, my, my journals were much longer than the CDT. The CDT it became the phone was camera, navigation, journal it was, yeah, it was everything. It was like four things in one. Um, it it did it. And that's the way it is today for me. It's, you know, the same thing. It's the camera, the navigation, the journal taking, you know, and photos and, uh, whatever else I might be doing communication. Yeah. It's uh so it's the ultimate hiker tool. You want one, you want one thing to do many things. That's the easiest way to say way. Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Did you have any concerns with battery life?
0: Um, I had a 20,000 megahertz, uh, mega amp um, anchor at the time. And on the, C- on the CDT, I didn't really worry about it. I mean, I ran that thing down a little bit and um, some of the longer stretches. But the hardest part I've noticed over the years, over the technology is on the CDT, maybe if I went back into the PCD, I'd do the same thing. But the the cell service has gotten better over the years as well. So as you go into a town, you have service further out. And you have it further into the woods as you leave town. So, you reality is that you might, let's say, you had a five day stretch. The first quarter of that day out of town you use a lot of battery. Then you don't use anything for the next four and a half, and that last half day or so into town at the other end you use a shit ton of battery. And mm-hmm. it's like in and, and data too. And then you like you get near all of a sudden you realize oh crap I'm out of data. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, that's where you have to watch yourself. You have to be disciplined and be like, all right, I'm leaving town. Like on the 18th, we left town, you left the payphone or the hostel, wherever it was. You knew you weren't making another phone call. So you better have your list checked off and done. Now it's like, well, I can probably still get service on the way out. There's a ridge there. And you have to almost be like, I'm turning it off, go. And it, it, I wish I had done better at it sometimes, definitely by the end of the trip. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one.
1: Do you find yourself? being more diligent about uh, say turning off your phone and not not doing the social networks or the you know that kind of stuff because you do see pictures of people who are on the trail and everybody is essentially standing around in this overlook or whatever, looking at their phones as they're typing or social media media media, I guess is the word.
0: Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that type of thing. Um it depends, I think. You know, like anything. If it's a if I had a really tough section on the trail on the CDT, it was really a lot harder. Uh or if I had to get something done and I really wanted to get it mm-hmm. um you know accomplished, I would. Other times where you're just you're feeling pretty good, you might not look at the phone as much. Uh, I think it all depended on the mood. Now with the 107 project, I would think the next trip that I do, if it's a long one, it, I'll probably be doing I'll be doing the social media meeting, but it will be for a reason to hopefully make, you know, make money on the website or keep things up to date so that I'm, you know, my numbers and my traffic is staying high. So, uh, right. which I guess I can, I can use that to justify it. Like my friend tells his kids, he uses the excuse all the time. Or is actually his dad came over for his 50th wedding anniversary of the day at my friend's house where I where I live. And his dad's like, Oh, Mr. Phone Guy over there. And 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 Dave pointed out my buddy to his dad. He goes, He's like, No, well he he uses it to actually make money though, Dad. And I was like, Oh, thanks for the cover, Dave. Because <laughs> I was actually <laughs> just looking at Instagram. So yeah. But uh yeah, we use it for the with his children who are thirteen and eight were like, or no, eleven and eight were like, Oh no, I'm working, I'm not fooling around. You can't look at Instagram.
1: <laughs> so mm-hmm. It's so addictive. It is literally like Vegas and slot machines.
0: Oh, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you go and look at that thing today, where it tells you how much you spent on what on what app and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. even. I don't look at it because it probably would just frustrate me. But yeah, probably. Did I, but I, then I used the excuse. Well, I'm working on it right now. I was out burning at the, the brush earlier before you called, and I I, like, I had to post a few things to Facebook, and I was like, so I got on there and cut and paste this and that, and written some wrote some posts, and you know, got the work done. I was like, so it has to be done. So. Yeah.
1: It is pretty amazing what we can do on our phones now.
0: Yeah. It's, it's insane. And the, and the quality too. I mean, my Mm -hmm. friend has an iPhone five. I mean, granted that's pretty old. Yeah. He took a photo of mine and he's like, Oh my God, why am I using your, my phone? He's like, let's use yours. And we use mine the whole rest of the day. And we're a mountain biking. It was like, it's ridiculous. The quality.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing what you can like, picture wise and staying in touch with people and navigation and all of that on your phone. I mean, what is it that they say that the, the computing technology in your phone is more advanced than God knows what.
0: Oh, some old computers for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A room full of IBMs back in the day.
0: Yep. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Are you, are you planning on going out and, and doing the trails, a trail again, or are you doing more of the smaller trails now?
0: Um, right now, the, I'm doing the John Muir. Uh, we have a permit to go into. We're going to go northbound. So we'll go in uh, Cottonwood Pass. Um, we'll go in that way and through. So it had a couple, like 20, got a couple, 20 or so miles to it. Uh, I attempted it in the middle of the triple crown of the bikepacking one uh, in, in August of 2017 with my buddy. And he's going back with me, but he got uh, some bronchial problem. He had like a bronchial going on his lungs and had an asthma attack it was super smoky in 17 so yeah. we bailed uh, unfortunately and i was in probably the best shape of my life uh, i flew up whitney um i think it took me like three hours and 20 minutes to go from not lower crabtree meadow but like all the way down to the first time you like even below lower crabtree on the pct from there to the summit was like eight whatever eight miles i didn't like I did it in like three hours and 20 minutes. It was insane. People are like, where's the engine? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you got an engine in your backpack? I was like, no, it's actually empty. I left everything down in camp, you know? And I just, I flew up that thing. I felt amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, but, so I'm doing the, we're doing the JMT. Uh, his girlfriend's going to come along. I'm hoping it all works out. I told him, this is his fourth attempt. He's tried the high route twice and bailed. He did the one with me was number three. And now he's going a fourth time. I'm like, Scott, I am not ending up like you. I'm like I am finishing this thing. There's other trails to do, so um, yeah. So that happens August 27th. But before that, I will go. He lives in Salt Lake, so I'll drive from Colorado to Salt Lake, and then either he's going to be with me for the first, the first go, which is around Tahoe. I thought Tahoe Rim Trail was 100 miles. So it's actually 170 hiking. So I'm going to start with the the 170 mile warm up for the 230 or so that's going to take me to the JMT. And then on the way home, the goal was to go back and bike pack around the Tahoe Rim, which is 130 because you lose about 40 miles when you skip some wilderness. But the bike might be beforehand or the hike might be beforehand, mm-hmm. flip-flop and depending. He's, like, He's going to go to two out of the three with me is the hope. He can't do all three. So we'll see. So those three all happen in August. So that's pretty much it for this year. Uh, I'd like to do some more, uh, but th- I mean, I'll do other hikes. There's a four-pass loop in – um in the Elks near Aspen, it's like a 23 or 26 mile hike that has crazy elevation um, that goes over four passes uh, in the Elk Range there near Aspen. So I'll do that and some other uh, kind of weekend or day hikes. We'll see. But in 2020, the plan is hopefully to do the uh, the CT actually as a hike. Even though I have biked most of it and I hiked most of it on the Continental Divide Trail, I still want to do it by itself because – um, the, the long trail of Vermont, which I've done as well in 2003, the JMT and the CT all make up the mini triple crown. So I want to add that crown to the list. So I'll be working on that in 2020, but, um, when it comes say, to say the, that
1: again, what, what were the mini triple crown?
0: Uh, the mini the is baby? the trail. Okay. Arado trail and the John Muir trail is the mini triple crown. Yeah. At least that's what I, I remember hearing it being called. Um, so okay. I'll be doing those. Hopefully that's the plan right now for the next little bit, but I have, I talk to people all the time. They're like, Oh, Craig, you know, like, well, it's great. You did the bike pack and triple crown in a calendar triple year. And they like get all, you know, when we have like 11 or like 11 people that have done the calendar year, triple crown or have done the triple crown and like this year, there's probably another four people are doing it. Um, so that number is increasing. like, well, you didn't hike the triple crown in a calendar year. Like, well, you should do that too. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I've been it's been in my brain for about probably at least a year, if not more to do the calendar year triple crown. And Mm -hmm. part of me is kind of like, I know you're shooting for the PCT before your 50th, right?
1: Yep. 2020.
0: Okay. And uh, so I was thinking my 50th for me will be 22. So I'm thinking before my 50th or on my 50th, I want to do the calendar year triple crown um, and go from there. So I just, part of me is like, everyone's like, well, which one would you go back and hike? And I'm like, if I had to pick one, it would be the PCT out of the three. I would definitely pick the PCT because it's got the – it's tough. Um, it's not the pizza cake trail, as I joked about earlier. It's tough. It has the grandeur, but, I mean, with it graded like it is for the horses and all that, it's just – it's it's a nicer trail to hike. The CT is amazingly beautiful, but, man, is it rugged. I mean, you take the – you take Colorado, for example, if anyone's thinking about hiking or doing trails – the Colorado in um, – the CDT in Colorado in Colorado is 750 miles long, uh, roughly, as a section. That 750 miles averages 11,200 feet. Oh, man. And when I got into Colorado, I remember emailing my dad someplace around Berthod Pass. I was going southbound at the time. And he got back to me while I got to Silverthorne, with the one. And I, he's like, yeah. He's like, what's the – I told him. I just had him asked him, what's the average for the whole trail? And it's like 70. 870, it's like in the 7,000 range for the whole CDT. And I was like, man, I just got it. Because I'm trying to find an excuse why I'm just suffering like a dog on the climbs and I'm just dying. <laughs> and I uh, was so like, hey, just do Colorado. And he came back to me later that day and he's like 11 2. I was like, oh, and it's like, no wonder why. And uh, I mean, besides the fact you're at 11 2, when you go up Grays and Tories, it tells you that at, at 14,000 feet, the sun's rays are 30% stronger than at sea level. So you have intense sun, you have altitude, then you have the wind and then you, uh, that element of the weather. And then you have like a really just sometimes really rugged trail. And those four things just make it a monster. So you go to the PCT and yeah, you might have like endless switchbacks and like in and out of these canyons. And it's like, as the crow flies, it's like a mile, but you hike three I'll take that any day. It seems like today now after CT. And it's just a, yeah. So, but there's a huge part of me that just wants to do all three again and just do them. But there's so much to do. So many fun things to dream about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you were to try to do, if you were to do the calendar triple crown, like when would you have to start and what trail would you start on?
0: Uh, well, usually most people start with like the AT, like, I mean, I think like flying Brian, he started like back in January and they end up the guy I'm following now, he's now in Vermont. He started in February sometime. And I mean, I started the end of February, I think started the beginning of February, but he had snow and just crappy weather all the time. And now he's on snowshoes in Vermont and he still has to go like what, 700 something miles to get to Katahdin. So the guy last year, the, his name was the prodigy. He was the first person of color to do it. Um, and he did it. And he was raising money for like diversity and all that. And super mm-hmm. cool guy. I listened to a podcast on him. He did it. And he started like early April. And I think the way he started was he did the CDT. He did this like Mexico to Cuba, then went to the PCT, did all of the PCT, and then he did southbound back to Cuba and actually finished. He, he joked about how he finished Cuba at the McDonald's. He's like, not the, 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 the vision you wanted, you know, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then he went up and southbound to the AT. So my dad and I were just talking about it now outside of the fire earlier and realized that the way I think I would do it is this. I'd start in campo. I would hike and I'd start early sometime. And who knows? Like, early April or early or earlier and go all the way to Kenny Meadows. And you probably hit a little bit of snow or, you know, walk a Walker pass and up there to that. Now you've done, you've got that done. And you know, this, you know, you're not supposed to what most average time people enter the series is like sometime mid June. I think mm-hmm. my year I did it, it was June 2nd, a low year. So you get that 70 miles done, then go over the CDT. And now that hopefully that area has got a chance to, because of North of Cuba, you get in the mountains as well, hike, That all the way to Colorado, then go back to Kennedy Meadows, join the regular crowd in June, hike the rest of the PCT southbound to Cumbers Pass, wherever you get to on the CDT, then go southbound the AT. That's how I would do it. I would probably start mid to late March, like this other guy did. You have to hike, he had to hike pretty fast because he had lost those three months of hiking time. I think he finished the 26th of Christmas, like the day after Christmas. Oh, wow. Okay. So he was moving, but like, you got to move anyway. So like, it would be one of those things, but I think that's how I do it. I'd start on the PCT, do as far north as I can go. Same thing on the CDT, go back, PCT, finish that, finish the UT and then I do with AT. Yeah. So.
1: It it sounds like essentially logistical gymnastics.
0: It is like, I mean, I think doing it, you know, doing it as a um, continuous hike I mean, you'd you'd have to just walk on a sh- just a shit ton of snow and walking on snow is no fun, even with snowshoes. It's just, I mean, you're know, pushing trail runners. It's not fun. So not for me. I'll do everything I can to avoid that.
1: I mean, because I know, I mean, there is obviously such a thing as flip flopping and, and, you know, all of that kind of thing.
0: I kind of did a flip on the CDT. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you hear people say that it's not a true f- through hike if you're doing all kind of that type of you know, jumping back and forth and,
0: um, yeah, I mean, there, I, I mean, I, and I, when I listen to your podcast, I, you know, and others than people always ask this question, they talk about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting cause there is no definition, you know, true definition for what a, a through hike is, you know, everyone has their own opinion for yeah. me. I did the AT. I mean, I was the classic purist i went there and i said i'm gonna hike every inch of this trail you have shelters and the shelter is off to the side of the trail and it's one tenth of a mile in and it's a tenth of a mile out let's say so you've mm-hmm. got a tenth or more between those two points probably more between those two points i got to the point where i would walk by the first entrance or even if i could see the shelter like 100 yards away i'd yell my friends going hey is there a northbound and they're like yeah by northbound exit from it because sometimes it's just a little v you know a little little V off the side of the trail. I would walk by the first entrance to the second one and then backtrack to the shelter. So in the morning I've already had walked that bit in front of it. I wouldn't walk in one and out the other and skip that pe- that piece between it. That's how meticulous I was in the AT. And I hiked with kids that were skipping left and right. I mean, they get in cars wherever, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. So purist to the, the perfect definition of a purist got to the PCT. I kept my purist ways, but like, you know, you get to forest pass and it's just snow on the North side. You can't see the switchbacks. You can, like, let lay down in your ass, <laughs> you know, and you go. And it's just that it's a reality of the game. I also did Eagle Creek Falls, which is not the PCT, but it's the more beautiful way to go through the punch poles and all that. And it's great. And then other than the switchbacks in Eagle Creek, you know, I did it. And then I got to the CDT, got to Ghost Ranch, hit snow before I got to Cumber's, bailed out of Cumber's debated the heck out of it finally i went to durango i rented a car i drove to south pass city wyoming hiked from south pass all the way back to cumbers back to durango in the car back all the way up again and then got on at south pass and went through the winds and all the way to canada you know but other so with that i went north south then north and then when you're hiking sometimes you'll be in the woods and it's just a shit show of down trees that haven't been cleared and you're looking at the map and you go hey it looks like a hundred yards to our left, there's a dirt road and it goes right to the the same notch that we're gonna hike to. Or even if you something you could just see, you're like, screw this shit and you just you you just mm-hmm. cut through the woods, get on the get on the path on the road and you just walk to the walk to where you're going. So my philosophy has changed over the years. <laughs> For me, it's matured. A, oh, it's totally it's matured, exactly like the seed. For me, a through hike, I mean, timing wise, I go back and forth on how long it can be. Like if you take a break, like if you went home for two weeks for something, I'm probably okay with that. But if you went home for like a month or more and then came back mm-hmm. to me, even if you started in the same place, it's kind of like, that's a long, that's like almost too long, but it's, you know, it's hard. Like I say that, but I'm not sure, you know, it might depend on the mm-hmm. person or the situation. But for me, a through hike is you start at a, which is let's say Mexico border and B to Canada. As long as you walk, Every one of those inches in there. I don't care if you go north, south. I don't care if it's on the trail itself or one next to it, or if it's on a piece of pavement because you skip the San Juan's. Like some guy I met, he walked from Cumbers to like uh, Battle Pass in like Southern Wyoming, like something like 500 and something miles on the road. His feet were like just destroyed. I was like, I don't know if that's what you wanted to do. Uh, but like, if you're like, I met hikers who would come into a town like let's say like Grants and it's about a four mile road walk in and about a four mile road walk out. They got in, went to the store at the beginning of the edge of town. They bought some ice cream. They jumped in a truck in the back of a truck and the pickup and they went into town. And they're like, well, these like they're town miles, they don't count. I'm like the trail goes through town. That's trail miles. So for me, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't call them a three hiker because you mm-hmm. did not hike f- from A to B. I don't care what direction or how it happens you have to hike all of A to B because then it's not through it's you just, you just picked and choose what, you know, met for you. So that's kind of my definition of, I guess, through hiking is, you know, the John Muir show for me, it's going to be from Whitney to happy, uh, what a happy Valley. And if it's one direction or if it's multiples, then fine, you know, but yeah, so it's a tough one. Everyone has their opinion on it for sure.
1: Or I guess everybody has their definition of it.
0: Definition. Exactly. Yes.
1: And the definition changes depending upon perspective.
0: Yep. Exactly. And that, and that's where the hike your own hike comes into. Everyone loves to use it as a, it's like sometimes it's like a bailout thing. I've heard someone the other day talked about that. Like, Oh, well, you know, I didn't have rain pants. And then I got soaked in, in cold. So hike your own hike. It's like, no, you can't use that as like, a, you can't use that as a bailout. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it is so interesting. Like the ways that everybody comes to the trail in terms of the approaches because, and, and, and there is also the, the idea that they have in their head when they start versus when they get into it and they've been on the trail for a while and it's grueling and it's hard and you're wet every day or, or whatever the mixture of difficulties is. Um, and how that changes.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to write a post about that. Um, One of my recent ones on my site was the most common mistakes thru-hikers make because one thing we can probably agree on is that you and I might not agree on what's the best hand or the best pack or the best shoes to wear. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I bet you you'll make the same mistakes that I made when I first started hiking. And that's yes. a reality. So I that I went with that concept. I interviewed all my old friends from the Triple Crown, and sure enough, I came up with a whole list of things. And there was quite a few common ones, which like overpacking, not planning enough, or planning to, you know planning the wrong way. And I realized at the day when you just said when you just mentioned about you go to the trail, you have this vision of what it is. I mean, all of my adventures always sound so romantic in my head. And then once you get <laughs> out there, you realize, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. This is miserable Uh, sometimes. And it's not what you expect. And that's why I think it was one of the hard things for people getting off the trail is like they have this romantic idea of what thru hacking is going to be like, and they get out there and it's such a vast, you know, vastly different from what they thought. And then they're not having fun anymore. It's like, well, your idea of what the trail was, was was probably unrealistic, but you didn't know, so it's hard. But what I tell people, now, what I want to write now is I'm gonna write uh, basically the most common misconceptions that people had before the trail, because those are what get you in trouble. You kind of have to just go to it and say, one, do your research like I talked about before, but two, kind of really go into it with an open mind and just be open to what the trail is gonna tell you, because uh, I mean, a lot of people will learn, like when you go to the CDT, A trail like that, it's like you're not, like as a hiker, you get to the point where you're like, you know, beating on your chest like I am. You know, it's like, oh, I'm a thru hiker. I can do anything. But you go to the CDT and basically the person in charge is Mother Nature in the trail itself. Like, you might want to do a 25 this day, but guess what? There's a thousand blowdowns. You're not doing 25. It's like you have to really just open your mind up and say, okay. This is not going to happen. Like, that was my problem. When I did that flip-flop thing I mentioned on the PC, on the CDT, it was so hard for me to swallow that pill because I'm like, I'm a northbounder. I don't go southbound. <laughs> like, it was always in my head I was always going to be a northbounder. I was a continuous through hike. It's like, and as Trina from uh, Martinez from the CDT coalition pointed out when I was at this Alda West Rock um, just a couple months ago, she's like, if you want to do a continuous through hike on the CDT, go southbound. It's your best chance to have a continuous hike. You go northbound, you're most likely gonna have snow in the sand once or something, mm-hmm. or the fires up north. Start southbound is your best chance. And that's where you get into trouble as a through hiker, as a new thru hiker. You have to really listen to what the trail is telling you. It's not what you want. And uh, I listened to a podcast about a girl, she th- she threw rides. She's done the PCT twice, like um...
1: through rides? What is that? Through rides
0: with her horses. PCT twice. Um, she's like 22 when she first did it. She's 27 now. She's done that PCT twice, CDT, Colorado Trail, and the Arizona Trail. And she jokes about it. With for her, it's trail first, then it's the the trail gets that say first. The horses get our trail second, something. And there was a third one in there. And then she finally gets what she wants. And as a hiker, it's you basically have to go and look at the trail and say, what is the trail telling me? And if it's telling you that this isn't going to happen you have to swallow your pride like I did when I got in the car and did that flip thing and just go with it. Because if you try to fight it, you're going to lose. It's the reality. And it's, and it's a hard one to learn um, for that, for that new hiker. Um, so, cause they have, like I said, they have this, conce- this romantic idea or this conception in their head of this idea of what it's going to be like. And you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, okay, it might not be like that. And if you haven't allowed yourself to really, truly, Think about that and accept that as a possibility. And you get out there and you're so inflexible, you're going to have a hard time with what the trail presents you most likely if it comes up. So it's a hard one.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mother nature will give you a beat down.
0: Mm-hmm. Or your body. Like you think you're real tough yeah. out there and you get terrible blisters. I mean, yeah, you could, you could take care of that with what we said earlier about going out and actually hiking those shoes, but maybe you didn't, the blisters aren't going to show up till later because the way the shoe breaks in, there's so many factors, but yeah, I mean, physically, mother nature, you just have to really go into it with almost like a blank slate. Like I'm going to take it for what it is day by day, not think about the end. Cause you know, I always tell people, how do you hike a trail like that?
1: One day at a time.
0: Oh, it's one. Yeah. One day, one bite at a time. I say, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And the reality is, you know, it's like, if you're thinking about Katahdin when you're in, you know. Georgia, or if you're in Campo and you're thinking about Canada, you're not, you're going to overwhelm yourself. You can't, you just have to go day to day, day in and day out. But, um, I joke, people ask me about why would you hike a trail? I always joke. It's the, it's the dickhead answer, but you know, if you have to ask the question, you wouldn't understand the answer. (laughs) And that's the, that's the reality of (laughs) for through hiking or biking for me. Yeah. If you have to ask, you won't understand. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) What was, what was your mental game plan going into the trails and, and did it change as as you evolved as a thru-hiker and as as you went through the trails?
0: Um, when I did the AT at first, I, I mean, mentally, like I tried to, I went to it and I had a, actually a two-week hike plan of like, let's not do big miles. I, I read so much about people going too much and hurting themselves. So I was doing like seven to like nine miles a day for the first two weeks and really eased into it. And, um, that really helped me like one, not just push too much, but my plans always have been nowadays. Cause now that I did that, I'm always raising the bar. Like I have a hard time with you, with your common, like that section like I did was okay. I went with it super laid back, but like a day hike, unless I'm working on like a numbers list, like hundred highest or the 14ers in Colorado, I have a hard time with it. Cause like, it doesn't it doesn't live up to the thing I did before, which of course mm-hmm. it's huge. So I have to go into a lot of hikes and I have to pull the reins back. Cause I'm always like, well, I'm, I can do 25s. I did on the CET. Well, as you pointed out, there's a large distance of time between these things. <laughs> you know, I could probably go do a 25. Will I be crippled the next day? Probably, yeah. you know, I'll hobble myself. But, you know, so a lot of times I have to like, just pull back and just try to live in the now and just be like, what's, what's reasonable. But for the hikes, um my mentalities have always been i'm pretty i mean i'm pretty stubborn and in one sense and i'm pretty determined so i i mean i go into them all the time and i'm just like well i know what it's going to be it's going to be hard when it is you're just going to have to just deal with it you know as my buddy says you know suck it up buttercup um mm-hmm. he just and he and he just be re- real with yourself and uh like i said take it day by day and if it's hard today you know there's going to be hard days, you know? And I just try to look at them for what it is and remind myself. uh, I had a buddy who hiked and he was like, Oh, I got to do, I got to do this many miles. If I got to get done And his fiance, was like, she's like, she's like, you don't have to do anything. He's like, you get to do that. Like Hmm. not, not everyone gets to do what you're doing. You have to kind of remind yourself like that mental check of like, Hey, that's right. You know, someone else doesn't have, not everyone has the opportunity that you've, allowed yourself to have in the at this moment and just at that. And that's when you have to just be like, huh, who cares? My, my water filter broke big deal. I can deal with it. Like I'm not dying here, you know? So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the perspective.
0: Exactly. You just got to have that perspective. Just keep it in check and just, and go over there. Yeah. And that's really for me where it's, where it's come down to is just remembering, you know, what's, you know, what's important and, and what I, you know, all that. So, yeah.
1: As you've done the different trails and, and even the bike packing triple crown as well, like what, what do you feel like? Because what you had mentioned the trails, listening to what the trails tell you. Yeah. So what, what have the trails told you?
0: Um, well, I mean, it kind of brings me back to, I mean, it kind of brings me back to the, the whole one is my whole project, the 107 project, mm-hmm. because in them, um, and I just wrote a piece for Gossam a year that I have to have to, I said, I was going to get to him by today. Whoops. <laughs> um, so I, I learned a lot cause you don't, one of the big things that I learned and I incorporated this to the 107 project because yeah, I have the core value and my core values for it. And one of them is that you, you don't do anything in life alone. You know, I had my parents developing that phone, f- you know, my mother transp- transponding that, my writing into the journal. I mean, they, I mean, every single trail I've done, I've done mail drops, Mo- like 90%, 95% of the, of the, my food drops. Um, I'm pretty picky years. So, you know, I got to, I remember getting to Agua Dulce and I usually was having bagels with peanut butter on them. All they had was onion bagels. I'm like, I'm not eating an onion bagel with peanut butter. Mike, that doesn't sound appealing to me. So I had a chip. So like, you don't do any of these, you don't do the, the trails, anything in life alone. You think you might be doing it, but you're, your actions or, or your non-actions are, they're affecting everyone. So I kind of learned to really appreciate, you know, those that are, you know, close to me and the people that in my life that have kind of helped me. And uh, so that's been one of the big things that the trail kind of taught me. And it's the, the trails have also just taught me that, um, you know, I can do so much more than I ever thought I was capable of. And I always tell people, you know, some woman the other day was, asking in one of uh, the tour divide forums about riding alone and you know mental tips for like making your head you know uh, for all that and she asked if there's anyone in southern california she could ride, do some long training for and i was like you know you almost need to train your brain more than you need to train your body i mean you can go ride with people that's great but the reality is you're going to be riding longer and more than you ever have alone during the race so you should train the way that you're actually gonna race because your 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 mind will always give out before your body and that's the reality in any of these activities whether you're hiking or you're biking i can my last day of my ride of my tour de Valle, i rode 190 miles oh, uh, and it was like we were up for like 23 hours and i never my longest ride ever was like 140 uh, so, I mean, and I could, not, I could have kept going, I'm sure. So that's one of the big things that's taught me is just, you know, the other thing too, is just like, I can always, there's so much more I can do. Uh, and I have to remind myself that sometimes on a daily time, you know, uh, on a daily basis of whether I'm doing a work on my website or what I might be. So, uh that's a big one, but it's also kind of, I go back to my core values. And uh, the first core value for me at the 107 Project is to truly know who you are and know what your passions are. And the AT and like the triple crime has kind of taught me that um, in different ways. And I have these little aha moments when I do my presentations. Because um, for me, the AT showed me who I was and uh, after I did it, but I didn't listen to it. And that's the next core value, number two, is <laughs> actually following. You know, follow your passion. Don't just like know what it is. Follow it. And me moving to call me moving to, to Seattle was me exercising, you know, my second core value, which was getting out there. And then when I moved to Colorado to be closer to the CDT, that was me following it. And the third one for me was like just humanizing it. And that's what I was just kind of talking about before about how you can go further and you and, and not being alone in anything. Because the, and a lot of people think the humanizing is the whole technology and of things, but it kind of goes, it's not so much put down you your phone. It's more has to do with the third core, my fourth core value, which was, um, being the best version of yourself. You can be, because if you're not being the best version of yourself, you can be, then by treating those others that are helping you do whatever it is that you, whether it's your fellow hiker, the person at the post office, the, the lady who has to deal with your smelly ass when you're mm-hmm. sitting in the small diner. yeah, If you're not being the best you can be to them, you're not being good, you're not being nice to them, but you're also not doing yourself any favors. So that brings it, and like kind of goes back onto the humanizing. And if you're not doing that, then you're not helping yourself out being, you know, they go back and forth. But the big part of the humanizing is I was on the CDT, and I was going down to Cataract Lake, and this dude ran by me in a little windbreaker, some hiking poles, and running shorts with a small bladder on his back. And I was like, "Hey, good morning!" And he, did, he said something, and it sounded like he had an accent. I was like, "What was that?" And then uh, about a minute or two later, this you know kid runs by, and then a guy, and the third one runs by, and I was like, "Hey, how far do you have to get out? It go to get out of here?" Because they have like nothing on. I have this, you know, I have my catalyst at the time, you know, ULA catalyst. And I'm like. And the guy goes 80 miles. And I was like, it's piss and it's pissing rain. I'm like, what the hell? And by like the fifth runner, I finally see a little number on his leg. And I go, hey, what race is this? He goes, it's the Hard Rock 100. And if you're, if you, if anyone listening doesn't know, the Hard Rock is a 100-mile ultra in the San Juans. And it starts and finishes in the town of Silverton. And there's a giant rock there. And at the end of it, when you finish, you get the kiss the rock And that's like this big to do in trail and in the trail running community is to kiss the rock, uh, because you only get to kiss it if you actually, you know, finish. And it's a, it's (laughs) it's one of the top, you know, it's probably in the top five hardest ultras in the uh, country. And, um, so I watched like 20 of these runners go by me and we joked to one of them that we were, we were a bunch of, you know, wimps because we weren't, um, we weren't going as fast as they were. And he's like, no, we're the wimps. He's like, you guys are going a lot further and carrying a lot more. So that perspective thing came into play. Mm -hmm. And then when I was then like fast forward two years, now I'm on the piece, I'm on the AZT and I've got Philip on my back and you'll, you'll learn this if you haven't already on your hikes that you've done, but you'll, you see people coming at you on a hike. And there's that first recognition of like, you see on their face, like, oh, they, they've seen you. It's the, oh, I see you coming. Then they, I, I got past that to the, Oh, that's a really big pack. That guy's got look when they saw me. Cause the bike, the rear tire, the bike sticks way up out of the, you know, above my head. Yeah. It's really wide. And then they get close enough. They're like, Holy shit. That's a bike on his back. And the questions just <laughs> came just flying at me, you know? And, uh, they were like, people were like, Oh my God, you're inhuman. Like, Oh, what are you? What are you a robot? You got mechanical legs. And you know, I had cyborg. I had, so many accolades i can't even remember what they were and when i got to the top of it you know i finally finished. i told him i was like when i get to the top i'll i'll take your compliments i'm like but thank you you know i'll believe it and it dawned on me right there because the guy i saw running actually turned out to be uh killian Jonet who is one of the top ultra runners in the world he's now won the hard rock four times in a row he and i uh i actually met him when I met the guy uh, at uh, the outdoor retailer show where I told you that story about the packs with the like, Goss awesome gear. Mm-hmm. And I told him this story. Cause I basically, I told him how I met him. And if you think about it, you watch like the Olympics with Sean White or like a Michael Phelps, mm-hmm. and you think, Oh my God, this guy is insane. He's inhuman. Like, how can he do that? And that's goes back to the humanizing. If you're putting these people on a pedestal, someone else, um, one, it's all except like it's all relative. If you try to be them, you're probably going to fail if you're not talented as much as they are. But if you shoot too low, you're also not being core value number four, the best version of yourself in either one of those situations. So humanizing it is the whole humanizing part is just like remember that like you know we're all human. Like I might have done thirties the last month of the CDT. That doesn't mean that someone else has to do it. You know, um, it just you be you. And be okay with that. And the only person that you need to compare yourself with is the guy in the mirror. Because that's the only one. Because if you do it anywhere else, you're either going to shoot too low or you're going to fail. And it's up to you to push yourself. And that's so the, – the trail taught me those core values. And it took me a little bit after finishing it to, for them to really kind of formulate and really wrap around. But that's where I kind of took those took those. Uh, lessons I learned from both the hiking and the bikepacking. And I made them into those core values. And now that's the whole point of the part of the, I mean, the goal of the 107 was to be the first and only, and I've done that. And it mm-hmm. was like, there was always an idea of like make it into a business, but I didn't know what it was. Now the businesses I've made bikepacking guides. I'm not going to try to compete with the hiking guides out there. There's too many of them and they're too well done, but there's no bikepacking guide. So I've been doing those, but I still write my most common through hiking mistakes or the misconceptions. I've been doing those and hike uh, and doing those because I have so much that I can share. Uh, so the big thing with the, the the project has become is to you know have encourage people to know and follow their passions. But it's also the breaking down of the barriers is the big thing I've been pushing too because there's the physical and mental barriers that keep us from following our passions. So that's kind of where everything I've learned has brought me to that and now using what I know to share with others to, uh, so the others can go out and do the same things that I've done or, oh, obviously or different things, however they might right. uh, see it. So yeah, it's been a, it's been quite the, uh, the, uh, the schooling.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, or I guess you could also think of it as opening people's eyes to the possibilities.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because a lot of times we can't, conceive of something because we can't even think that it's possible or oh, yeah. we don't even think that it's possible
0: every day. I mean, that's where I look at, I mean, I, I mean, these, these people out there, um, they just, um, they do stuff. You're like, Oh my God, like, wait, what you, you didn't sleep for 38 hours your last day on the Colorado trail. I'm like, I need to go back and see if I can do that. Cause like you, your mind is always holding you back and say that mm-hmm. your mind will hold you back every time. Like if you just turn off the head and just let your legs go, and the head doesn't stop you, or whatever. It's amazing, yeah. and, it, and and yeah, it's tough. Um, No, it definitely. Um, and I, and I have these passion profiles on, my, on the website now, and I basically interview people who are super passionate about something, and I ask them, you know, where the passion comes from, and you know, for an inspirational quote, I ask them what barriers have helped have held them back, and you know, and what do they do when they re- they've actually not notified when they've actually identified these in and the, all that so that, like you said so that i can basically one i can share and kind of go this guy's a badass or this girl mm-hmm. i do guy girl guy girl is what i'm trying to do um and but it's also to open up just when people see it they go oh my god look what this guy's doing like i could i could do this or i could do something else and it's the like you said opening their eyes to just what is possible if you you know you follow your passion, yeah. so it's been going well, so it's it's good.
1: That sounds exciting.
0: yeah.
1: I- I'm gonna deviate a little bit from okay. this because there's a couple of things that you mentioned on your website in like your gear and and stuff like that sections. And I hadn't heard anybody actually mention them before, so I was gonna I was gonna ask you about them. okay. Um, one of them is a rain wrap.
0: Basically a rain wrap is like uh ULA used to make them and you can get them like uh, Z packs has them now too. It's basically like, it's like a, it's like a, what's a The woman's mm-hmm. a, like wrap, but it doesn't wrap multiple times around you like a sarong would. It's just a, uh, it's like a skirt with a Velcro or a zipper on the side. So instead of wearing rain pants, cause I mean, let's face it. No, I don't care who you are, any company. Oh, ours are breathable. You, yeah. You're going to sweat. So, I mean, your feet get wet anyways when you're hiking in the rain, whether it's the AT, Mm -hmm. PCD, or any hike. So, why not have the ventilation of, like, you know, the the Scotsman with a kilt? So, it's just basically – it's like a a rain skirt is what it is. And I call it a rain wrapper is what I call it. And uh, I think said – I know – a couple of companies make them, and uh, you can get them. And you know, you can—they're kind of see-through if you had a Cuban fiber, so you're not doing laundry in it. But it's great if you don't want to walk. You know, you want to do your laundry out of town, and you had to throw everything in the, in the dryer, or the, I mean, the wash—you can do it that way. But yeah, that's what that is. It's just a skirt that's you know, still nylon or a or Cuban fiber today. You know, and you just wear it, and a lot more ventilation. You're not going to be so hot, and you'll uh, hopefully sweat less. Yeah.
1: But it's still—I mean, I, it obviously provides protection from rain. That's that's coming from from you know top to bottom or from from the side to some extent but what about in terms of like wetness or whatever
0: from the bottom up like, well, like lawn sprinklers from the golf course you're walking on no of course <laughs> no um well i mean it depends like i think most of them come down like i on mean, the company they come down a little bit past your knee so okay. i mean yeah your lower legs will get wet um but i mean unless you're you know doing the patent and bear thing and you're jumping into puddles and every puddle and splashing water up, you should probably be okay. Yeah. I I've actually, I have one, but I've never been on a full hike with one yet. Like I've used it like more so round on short hikes or I used mine a lot of times for just a changing skirt on a bike race. So the next hike I go on, I probably will have, I'll have it on the JMT. So give it a whirl.
1: Yeah, because I think you were mentioning it on your website. You were mentioning it specifically as as an option for the PCT, which has very little rain.
0: Yeah. So, and, it, and the other thing, too, is like if you really wanted to, like I've, everyone that makes one, they make it, like I said, it only goes around to itself and it zippers, mm-hmm. or whatever. But if you made it more like a sarong and it was longer, it could double as a ground sheet, you know? And then mm-hmm. now you've got, again, a product, one item that does multiple things. So, yeah. A twofer. T- twofer, yeah. It's not as good as the foam, um, the fourfer, but, or whatever. True. Yeah.
1: Now I do wonder. I do, well, actually, in terms of the rain wrap, I do wonder though, because I see a lot of people like on the PCT, for example, when they get up into Washington and they start having issues with it getting colder and and snow and that kind of stuff, and they use the rain pants as part of their staying warm system. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And yeah, no. Um, I mean, if you're up there late, I mean, I finished. Shoot, when did I finish? August 29th, I think. So I was pretty early. I mean, it still got cold. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Sure. Uh, up there uh, after North of hearts pass, but, um, area, but yeah, I mean, no, for sure. Like when I hike now, uh, my rain pants. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot, a lot of guys just do like the, you know, the running shorts and their, that their rain pants is their wind protection or their yeah. own long pants. So, yeah, I mean, if that's why I said that, that's why I made that comment. That's probably good for PCT, but like anything, you know, depending on your time for the PCT or any trail, you know, you're going to, sw- again, don't think to sit there and think that you can start with the same gear that you're going to finish with. Or look at any one of the hiker surveys and you'll see how much people actually change out. Yeah, maybe you change it out when you get to, you know, Crater Lake, switch that thing out and go for yeah. the pants. So, yeah. But Southern California pff, is almost, <laughs> yeah.
1: Easy peasy. Yeah. Piece of cake. <laughs> um. So, another, another thing that you were mentioning is you were calling them dude wipes.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, Dude wipes—they're—they are, uh, are a sponsor of mine. They make is basically you know they're wet wipes. They're like baby wipes, mm-hmm. but you know you've got all these products for babies and all that, and they don't—they're uh, you know, for you know they're not for dudes. So they made this product called Dude Wipes. You know they're supposed to be tough for a man and all that. You know obviously ladies <laughs> can use them as well, and um, but yeah, so they're just a—they're uh, biodegradable, uh, no scent. So good for you know if you're worried about a bear and all that. And they come in, you can get them in the, like the the buckle pack that has the plastic you know flap. You open it up, you know mm-hmm. they're in there. Or you can get them in individual um, packages. They're a little bit, they look a little larger than a condom package. You know, that little foil package you get like a condom yeah. in. and they're a little bit bigger. And I think you get boxes of thirty of them. And uh, yeah, they're uh, they're great. They're thick. They've got um, you know good for you know good coverage. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's what those are. They're just wipes for the instead of toilet paper, using wipes. Yeah,
1: right. Could they also be used to say keep like your feet clean or something like that as well, like a baby wipe type of thing?
0: Oh yeah. When I oh they they're definitely adorable. I mean they make a thing called the dude shower, which is a it's like super <laughs> thick and it's a lot bigger. And um, but yeah, when I I got to under uh, like a section of trail and I had um, I had some extra dude wipes because you know maybe you didn't need two mm-hmm. to go, you know, to clean up down there. I would use it. I would use it on my feet. Uh, I'd start with my face. You do face first. And then I might go do my feet uh, with what's in know, whatever else. And I'd clean up my feet for sure. Yeah. Um, I actually had a friend. This is a tip. Uh, I never thought to do this. And cause you know, people get rashes, you know? Yeah. People have body parts. Guys have different body parts. We have two particular ones, you know, the yep down, downstairs. And uh he, You before he wipes his bottom, he wipes his crotch area with the wipe first. Then he uses the other half, then to wipe his bottom. That way there in the middle of the day, you might be all sweaty, but why not? Just clean up some of the sweat down there. And I I was like, oh my God, that's genius. I was like, I loved it. I was like- I'm going to do that from now on. I mean, why not? You got a wet, moist wipe and you, you know, you're dirty. Like, why not? You know, it's not like you're getting mud on the thing and then touching your butt with it. Plus, we already know what's on your butt, you know, you can't get much dirtier. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, because I think that that, you know, chafing issues or blister issues or, you know, that kind of stuff are related to the dirt and the grime and the salt and, and all of that. So if you can keep it cleaner.
0: Yep. Clean you're as more
1: likely to stay healthy.
0: Yeah. When I was uh, on the trail, I basically took a, I call it a horse bath every night. I had a bandana and I'd go to a little creek and I'd wash my feet, you know, wash my arms and, you know, my back. I'd, mm-hmm. you know, use that thing like a, like, are you drying your back with a towel on my face? the yep. hanging on the outside of the tent every night. Let it dry. Yeah. No. Uh, PCDT never happened. <laughs> Just too tired. Too <laughs> long days. Didn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: How long you say long days? How long were you hiking every day?
0: Um, the sun up, sundown thing on the C- okay. CDT. It was like getting up at like five thirty, hiking by five thirty, quarter six, and you'd hike till like eight thirty at night sometimes. And uh, you know, there's breaks during the day, but yeah, it was. I mean, they at the end it was probably six to eight at least minimum most nights. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like fourteen day, a fourteen hour day at least was
1: that because you were trying to hit certain mileage or was that because you had to hit a certain date or just because you felt good and, and
0: just no, just good. Yeah. I mean, I hate the whole shooting for a date thing. I mean, when people sit there and go, Oh, I have to finish before grad school or college starts. I'm just like, I just cringe. I'm like, you're putting so much effort into something. Um, not for me. Um, I try to keep the door open. (coughs) No, excuse me. It's definitely just for, um, for us, we we're like, oh, we're doing thirties and we we just decided to do thirties. You know, you just get something in your head, you know, as they say, get a hair across your ass and you just do it. Mm-hmm. And that was just became the norm. And for me, like I don't like, I mean it's cold in the morning, like I just get up and start yeah. moving. And then AT, like I said, a major shelter route. Like you just if there was a shelter and it was five o'clock and you're in a shelter and the next one's six miles away, <laughs> most hikers are not gonna like that six miles of the next shelter. They're they're gonna Break out the party, you know, the party dress and, and hang out and socialize. I mean, that's the AT's a party. PCT, you get up before it gets hot. You walk. You take the siesta or whatever it might be. I didn't take many, but I did when it was really bad. Then you just hike. And you hike till a flat spot when it's dark at night. It's just the way you do it. I mean, it's there. The trail's easy. It's not like you're in the woods and it's not as rocky. <laughs> Excuse me. And you just make it happen. Yeah. So for me, it's just one of those things you just – I'm out there to walk, so I walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Did it ever start feeling like a job?
0: Mm, maybe. I mean, a little, a few times, but you know, then like I said, you remind yourself what you're getting to do. So, and it's like, well, this beats being in a cubicle or whatever else that you might be doing. So yeah. Um, didn't, didn't, didn't last very long for sure.
1: Aside from like the one of seven project and, and that kind of thing, how do you think the trails changed you? Um,
0: uh, the change well i mean i i mean i can do i do much i can do so much more now with less uh for you know that whole mm-hmm. taking less and doing more the whole actually that's the here i'm quoting my sponsor Gossamer gear <laughs> do take less, <laughs> more i mean but it's true i mean it's a great saying uh i mean i'm going to be i'm potentially right now i'm working on building a, a sprinter van out and to live out of so it's taught me you know, that I can, you know, like I said, do, uh, do more with less. And it's taught me that there's just so much to see out there and I'm really not going to be happy if I don't see as much of it as I can. So that's why I'm getting the van as well so that I can, you know, travel and go out and see, you know, all this amazing scenery that there is just to be seen out there and uh, people to meet. There's so many cool people that you meet along the way too. So there's a couple of things that's definitely taught me. Um, like I said before it's taught me, you know, I can do more than I always thought uh, and it's opened up doors to people that I would have never have met um, into situations and learning to, you know, deal with different things and adversity. You know, when you get under trail, you're like, well, you know, people always joke, oh, the trail provides. Well, it does. But at times it doesn't. And you have to just figure it out, you know, and to do the math and go, well, how, do I, how can I, you know, how do I replace this tent? I'm in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. So it's kind of made me a better problem solver, I think, a little bit as well. Um but yeah, um, there's so many things to it. I'm sure I could think of five, ten more if I put my mind <laughs> to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely strengthened my stubbornness, you know. And I know you didn't ask it, but like my mother or my parents have asked me, and other people have asked me. or they ask my mother. She'll because she she loves to talk about it and stuff. She'll meet people at a bar and be like, "Oh, is my son the hiker?" Um, <laughs> uh, they always like, "Well, did you ever think about quitting?" And I feel sometimes like I'm boasting, but like no, like. I am, I started from Georgia and when I started in Georgia, I was like, there was no doubt in my mind I was going to, I was going to Qatar, Unless I fell and broke something or I couldn't physically walk, I was going to get to Katah. and It's been the same way in all of them. I just, I don't allow myself the one, don't think too far ahead. Cause like I said, you eat that elephant one at a time, but at the same time, like if you start thinking the negative thoughts, oh, I'm like, I can't do this or whatever, then you're defeating yourself. So for me, it's always. I got this. There's no question in my mind. You know, I'm just super positive. So it's really helped me, you know, be confident in myself. I should say, yeah.
1: You have a you have a level of certainty about what you can accomplish, what you can face. Yep. What what real difficulty is?
0: Yeah. I like to call it today trail confidence. If you read my post about the mental side of going light or that common mistakes, I talk about that. That's the whole thing going back to the newbie you don't have trail confidence. Like I lose mine when I don't hike for a while. I mean, that's more of the physical, like this is a knife edge. This is sketchy, you know, I f- I threw you threw me on a knife's edge after doing a long trail. I'd probably skip across it Like I was in uh, <laughs> Dorothy in the, in the, in, 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 in the wizard of Oz, but um yeah, it's trail confidence. Like you just, you learn what you can deal with it and what you can and can't go. And it really makes a difference, you know, whether it's on the trailer or in life. Yeah. It's all about experience.
1: Yeah. Now, is there anything that you f- feel needs to be said that we haven't talked about yet, either in terms of your experience or advice for potentially other, you know, want to be through hikers or through hikers?
0: I think we get know, a lot of them, but I mean, I, I, one of the things I talked to my friend about is, um, I hate the word someday when people mm. are talking about doing something, Oh, uh, Oh, you've done the AT Oh, I'd love to do that someday. And that I cringe at it. Cause I'm like, no, I'm like, if someday basically equals never. So if you yeah. want something to do something, no matter what it is in life, get the calendar out, clear a hole or find a hole and say, I'm doing the AT, this this is where I'm doing it. I'm going. Like you did. You picked it up. I'm doing it on my 50th. And you're doing what it is that you have to, everything you have to do to do it. Because once you put it down, it's like when you go online and say, oh, I'm doing this. Like, I'm doing this cherry run. Now all your friends have seen that. You're held accountable. Like, make yourself accountable and just say, don't do someday. Just pick it and put your mind to it and do it. Because if you say that, you probably will never do it. Because... Um, and it goes along with the other thing I like. I tell a lot of hikers, a lot, I have a lot of friends from the AT and none of them have gone on to do on the trails. I don't think, um, not the distance, the length, the lengthwise ones, but they all have kids. So they've moved on in their life. Now mm-hmm. that's fine. Like some people, I know a guy who did it. He's like, I'm just doing the one. I, that's I, all I knew I was ever really going to do one, but a lot of people will like skip a section, like, Oh, I got hurt. My ankle hurts and I lost my trail family. And they stay a week in town and they have then. and when they're done, they have the whole double of, do I get back on the trail where I left off and I have to try to then go race and catch my friends? Or do I just get on a bus and go up to where they are and I'll just come back and finish that afterwards. And that of course gets back to the, Oh, what's a through hike? What's not a through hike? And you mm-hmm. have to compromise and you have to like, you know, like I said, you expectations, but I have a lot of friends that said they were going to go back and do stuff. And you hear it on all these podcasts. Never did. And they never do. Life gets in the way. They're like, oh, someday I'm going to go back and do that. And it gets ins- it gets incredibly hard because I don't know how people do it. And they, like, I got a- I got 200 miles in Washington. I got this 50-mile section in <laughs> the Syed Valley. And it's like, and to get back there when you live on the East Coast. And it's really hard. So if you're going to do a trail, my advice is, you know, don't do the best you can to have a really big window to do it. Don't make it so you have to rush. That's one of the th- worst things right. you can do, I think. The next thing is have enough money. Be realistic about what it is going to cost you. are probably going to spend more money than you expect, especially like the AT. You're going to spend more money in town than you expect. The hotels, you know, they're going to cost you more. You're going to, unless you're diligent, you're going to have more than you think. Uh, things are going to break on the trip. People forget about that. So like cost and then time frame of like, how much time you have are always ones that I hear people just going, Oh my God, I don't have time. Like I have to jump up ahead. Like I might have to flip flop. Cause like the weather, they started later, they started too early and they try to make, it's like trying to put that square peg in the round hole. It's like, you got to look at it for what it is and go, this is what I can and can't do or what is possible. And those are some of the things that I think a lot of the new hiker has always a hard time with because they don't have that experience without the trail conference that we talked about on the trail, just knowledge and getting that knowledge beforehand that can really help you make those decisions when it comes time or like what's on the trail or off. They're really going to help you and your success rate of actually getting to the end. Because I mean, I, I told my buddy, you know, one time, if it's not the most important thing at the time for you, then you shouldn't go. And he called me out on it because we went on a trip to Alaska and I bailed out because I got sick, but it was also because we weren't communicating, which is a huge regret of mine. It's one mm-hmm. the t- only times I've quit something, um, and to this day it bothers me. But you know, and I tell him like, yeah, if you're going to go do something, he's like, it should be the most important thing. And I think a lot of people go out to do hike a trail, and I don't know if their reasons. This is just my opinion. I don't think their reasons are are the right ones sometimes. Because and it's not maybe it's not their reason, but maybe like we talked about, it's not their ex- their expectations are. F- vastly different than what the reality is or right. what they've conceived in their head. So, and that's the, that's the, that's the tough one. So, I mean, if I had to say exactly. to some new, to new hikers, I mean, that would probably be, I mean, that, that whole bit right there, it's just, it's hard, you know, you really got to go at it and, and just have all your ducks in a row. It's a little, I mean, for me, it's just makes sense. And it, and it really helps you um, increase those chances that you're going to have a good time. And it's going to be enjoyable and that you have that flexibility to, you know, accomplish it and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know? it, it sounds sort of like what you're saying is be clear on your, your why be clear on your reasons that you're out there.
0: Yeah. And, and that reason changes when you're out there, you have to be open to accepting it. If you're not open mm-hmm. to accepting how it changes, and you're really rigid and like, oh, this is why I was doing it. Then you're then you, you're in, you're in trouble because if if it's changed and you're not going to change with it, you're probably going to get to that person who's like, oh, I'm not having fun anymore. I want to go home. Yeah. I mean, well, why'd you go out there in the first place? Was it to, you know, you know, to be like, oh, well, Craig, did you like find yourself? I'm like, I didn't find myself. <laughs> like, it's like you don't solve world, you know, world hunger or like cancer when you're out there. A lot of times you just walking and thinking of food or some cute girl at the cash register or whatever it might be, you know, or a cute guy if if you're a woman or, you know, whatever your, your, uh, the way you go is. And it's like, yeah, it's sometimes you just don't think of anything, you know, it's like, and so, yeah, uh, take it for what it is.
1: Yeah. I I think I, I heard a quote and I don't remember who, who the quote is from at this point, but the quote goes, uh, do what you can with what you have, where you are. Oh yeah. Keep yourself where your feet are.
0: Yeah. No, it's like living. It's kind of like, it's a, it's an expanded version of like, just live in the now it's like live in the yeah. now, but with what you have, you know, don't be like dreaming. Like my friend's 11 year old of, Oh, next year I want these goggles for skiing. It's like dude, ski season's over. Like think about that in October. Yeah. 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 Be happy with what you got right now, kid. Yeah. And no, that's the way it is. Yeah. The trail. I mean, and that's the thing about trail too is like, you know, people talk about all the trail provides, like we always talked in the AT, like it always works out. And it is the, the thing is
1: mm-hmm.
0: it might not work out how you hoped or how you planned. But if you're flexible with your mentality your decision process, like I said, the world's not going to end like, Oh, we wanted to get here. Or like, we're trying to get to, you, excuse me, you get to the hotel, you get to town and you didn't get there in town. You couldn't get a hitch and you missed the post office. Well, guess what? It's not the end of the world. Like it's still worked out. Yeah. It's still got to Katahdin, you know, it's just like be flexible and just be real, you know, be realistic of like, it's all good. You know, just like you can't force it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's funny you say that because so many times I hear people talk about when things don't go the way that they want or the way that they thought that they were going to go or, or whatever, but if they are flexible and open to the possibilities A lot of times they end out better than you could ever
0: imagine. Oh, yeah. So much. Yeah. (laughs) Like if I didn't go, if I did my 25s out of Lima like I planned when I took the, the, when I shared a car ride with the guys Mm -hmm. who I was with, instead of doing the 30s, I wouldn't have my buddy in Alabama that I now I'm friends with. You know, it's like I went and saw him on the way through when I did this road trip and, you know, and the experiences that I had. Uh, so it's like, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't plan on doing that, but I changed, you know, that's why I like when people sit there and say hike your own hike, I always just cringe because I, I said earlier, I hate the saying because unless you hike in a bubble, you're not hiking your own hike because the moment right. that you meet somebody and they, you go, they're like, oh yeah, like I'm going to go here. Do you like, what do you think? Do You want to go hike and go camp there? You're like, yeah. You've now just changed your plan and people are like, well, I made the decision, but you, and if you really want to get technical, I'd be like, well, I influenced you to change your plan. So it's no, <laughs> is it now, is it now your hike? You know, and I joke like, yeah, you hike your own hike. It's like, no, a lot of times it's like you're hyping a compromised hike of like a, de- it's a group decision sometimes, especially in a trail family, you know, it's like, it's a group thing. And, a lot, yeah. and that's the hard part too, is I will say, uh, back to your other question about advice is like, if you get so attached to your trail family, that you're not willing to leave them to continue with what you thought your hike was going to be, that's going to be a really hard decision to make because you really like these people. But guess what? Mm-hmm. They're not doing what it was that you thought you wanted to do before your trail. So now you're like, oh, I'm compromising my 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 you know yeah. my goals and my and whatever else by not doing this. But if I leave them, then I, leave, I lose my friends. You have to be really okay with that. You I mean if because if you're not, you get yourself in that bind like I was, like, well, I only yeah. go northbound. And it, it can get tough. So like again, like that flexibility thing. And it's people do all the time. They get hooked on these trail families and they can't see hiking without them. And then they're just like it really makes it tough on them. Yeah.
1: It's, it's so interesting that you say that it's in terms of, you know, like the hike, your own hike versus as soon as you start meeting up with people, as soon as you start making plans with other people or changing your plans because of their plan changes or, or their, their plans. Um, it's sort of like whatever that is with, um, you know, the, the flapping of a butterfly's wings yes, and the how the flag. cosmic effect of all that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. And yeah, I mean, h- hostile changes are you're not going into town and the, the, our car shows up and they're like, Hey, taking you taking to the town." Yeah. Like, Oh, I didn't think I'd see a car here. I guess I'm going into town. Yeah. And then, then you meet someone and then next thing you know, six months later, you're married. Who knows? Whatever it might be. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. You can
1: get so metaphysical with it. It's just so entertaining.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A trail's great that way so good yeah yeah
1: if people want to follow your continued adventures or or have you know some follow-up or additional questions for you where should they reach out to you for
0: they can reach out to me they, um well, the, the, the website's the the first place which, which as you said it's one of seven projects, um, dot com. and you can use the words or the numbers i've got both now um instagram is the words N O E one of seven and seven written out as well. Project. Um, I have Twitter as well and project stops at the J. So it's one of seven and P R O J. Cause you can't fit the whole thing. There's a YouTube again, one of seven, they're all one of seven except for the, okay. the Twitter. But if they want to email me, they want to email me questions. They can just do info, uh, at one of seven project.com and okay. I can answer them. There's also a contact page there on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's just right on the site, yeah, in the about me section there's a contact and you can fill it in and they can write to me that way as well too, so uh but yeah, Perfect. definitely open to answer any questions whether it's hiking or biking or whatever it might be planning like I said I love to plan and yeah,
1: yeah, and i I would highly recommend people go to your website and look at. Uh, Like the gear breakdowns, because you have literally all of the gear that you used on each of the different trails and your pros and cons and all of that stuff. But I would
0: do differently next time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I had a guy write to me today and I'm surprised he didn't get it by looking at it. He goes, Well, which bladder did you like best? Because I switched bladders on each trail of mine. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Well, the last one was the best because it, you know, I gave him the reason why. And I, of course, tagged it and I was like, now, anyway. and, uh, tagged it with my affiliate link so I can get credit if he buys it. And I'm like, I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. If anyone wants Score. to support them, if anyone wants to support me and they're buying gear, by all means, you know, uh, I have some, I have, I have that on there as well, too. So back when I started hiking, way back when I went hiking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a no-no to make money off of other hikers. You didn't do that. Like it was, yeah. it was shunned upon. That you would you you'd, you'd uh, benefit you know make a benefit on yourself over someone else and of course that today that's out the window, uh, so yeah I mean my site does have affiliate links there on Amazon and Backcountry and a lot of those products that you talked about on that site are linked as well so if anyone clicks on any of those and they wanted to you know they want to do that they want to buy some gear then I'll get some I'll get some credit it will help f- further the cause of me encouraging others to get out there and you know follow their own uh, stuff so yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh,
1: help help uh, fund the continuing adventure.
0: That's, that's right, yeah. It used to be The Adventures of Scatman was the uh, whole thing. And we won't tell that story right now. If anyone wants to read how I got the trail named Scatman, <laughs> they can go to my site. There's a link on the About page. But the short gist of it is that I had a – as this gentleman who gave me the name, he's I – w- I had an irritated scat hole. Uh, because uh, I did not have okay. um, dude wipes back then in 2001, and now we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came up with ingenious ways of applying gold bond powder to my scat hole to take care of my irritated scat hole, as he called it. And he just kept calling me Scat Man. So. But there's a much longer version there on the site, and it's a good read if anyone wants to check that out. So, yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Craig. This was wonderful. No, thank you. Show notes and links for Craig's gear can be found on our website at hiking throughcom Special thanks to Craig for sharing his stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you have through Hiking Adventures to share, we'd love to hear them. Please email me at hikingthrupodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at podcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider – And leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.